0: Wait for it, wait for it, and we're live! Hey all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades Podcast. Just a couple of nerdy veterans and one chaos coordinator geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast, that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're gonna let our guests introduce themselves before we introduce the topic. So we're gonna go in alphabetic order because I can do the alphabet. I know the letters people. We've got Miss Jenny JF Posthumous.
1: I am JF Posthumous. I write fantasy, sci-fi. Pretty much it. Um I'm not sure what all to say.
0: Hello works. <laughs> So next, we've got the reigning queen of three ravens. You could add that. <laughs> the, the other Jenny might complain. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I was
1: actually there before
0: her. I, 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 I thought <laughs> you are genius then, I guess. Next, in alphabetical order, we got the Zoomy extraordinaire, Mr. Josh Hayes.
2: Hey, thanks. Uh, I'm Josh Hayes. I'm the operations manager for Athon Books, and I uh, am a science fiction and fantasy author. Um, that's going very quickly to be, uh, moving into, uh, contemporary military thrillers.
0: So, you know, operations manager sounds so corporate. So last year you need something like, I don't know, the king of schedules. Um, I don't know the, the monarch of calendars. I don't know. You got to come up with something better. I think. I like Like, the
2: king of a land. I'll use that. The king of a land.
3: Scheduling.
0: He scheduling he, He won't even notice. He's too busy writing. Yeah. So that, that works. All right. And because I can do the alpha of people, I'm going to prove it tonight. We got Mr. Michael LaVoice. <laughs> oh,
4: hey. <clears throat> yeah, Michael LaVoice, uh, author of Galaxy's Most Wanted, currently available from Athon speaking of. And uh, I write uh, basically space opera with uh, a sometime military sci-fi twist to it.
3: That's me.
0: All right. And next we got Mr. Scott Moon.
3: Oh, God. Um, I'm Scott Moon. I write science fiction, uh, primarily space opera and that sort of thing. I think my favorite series is probably The Last Reaper, but there's many others. Uh, my webpage is scottmoonwriter.com if you want to see a list of, I think, 58 books now.
0: Because so sleep is for I, the week. I
3: slam them out.
0: Sleep is for the week. Uh, and if you don't notice, he probably also plays instruments based on the guitar behind him in the sheet music I do. Um, I do.
3: I, I play some bass and guitar and and whatnot. I got a bunch of stories about that. If we if we get some dead air, I'll digress. I just think we need to make an
4: author band because I do vocals and harmonica, and I know there Steve plays stuff. So we need to do
2: rock out. I can do a mad beatbox.
0: Yeah, can you mime with it like as you do the beatbox? Oh, for sure. Outstanding. Yeah. All right, and last but not least, we have Mr. Steve Diamond.
5: Hey guys. Good to be with you again. Uh, yeah. Steve Diamond, uh, right. Horror fantasy and, uh, not horror fantasy. Well, I mean, yeah, but yeah, sure. Horror, <laughs> fantasy, science fiction, um, you know, and, and, uh, and some, some techno thrillers, uh, you know, Bane by myself, um, you know, recently signed a deal with Athon. So, you know, doing all that stuff. And then, uh, uh, my my side gig, which is hopefully going to become my permanent gig, is doing special editions, um, super super high end special editions under Diamond editions, and so there's a few of those coming out soon.
2: That's nice. Yes. I'm uh, fairly uh, confident uh, I picked up uh, the um, uh, the Sun Eater, the one you did with uh, Christopher. With Chris, yeah, I'm pretty sure I, you did. I, th- I think I got one.
5: No, I'm pretty sure you did. If not. I mean, maybe I can still get you.
0: Yes. <laughs> Steve's also what we used to call a literary whore. He's recovering though. Cause he used to say yes to any short story anthology that I sent. Oh, and now he's like, junior I've got schedules. I mean, can you talk I to know. me?
5: I know. I, so, so last year I was, I was gainfully unemployed for a while, which was wonderful. Um, and so I was like, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll write everything. And I did. And then um and then I had that I heard that health insurance was important. And so I got it <laughs> yeah. and, and started working again. And uh, and as such, I, I think I have one short story that I'm under contract to write, and that's like that's it. So Yeah.
0: Nice. So you had the only one who took um horror for the Santa is a badass anthology we did. You're the only one who put a horror spin on it, which I still yeah, is one baby. of my favorite. It's good. That's right. I remember the editor was like, does this guy need to talk to somebody? I mean, like, <laughs> I, I might know a guy. I get that a lot. <laughs> right what you know. I mean, what? Um, That's why I write Steve. torture scenes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would tell you where we met all of them, but mostly just in the indie writer community, they're there. Although Steve like, and, and Josh, they all went hybrid and started publishing for other people. It happens, business. So we'll move on to the religion question. And this is a new one. None of you have answered before, but it's germane to the topic. So Robocop, Time Cop, or Judge Dredd? Uh, We're just going to go on alpha or bottom around. So we're going to go with Stabby first because she's always last. I know. Me? Yes, you. Oh. Do we break your brain? Judge Dredd. Excellent answer. All right. What about you, Miss Jenny? JF Posthumous? Judge Dredd. All right. Michael, you're going to redeem it?
4: No, I'm I'm Robocop. Robocop all the way.
0: Original, <laughs> Original oh, OG Robocop. I'd do that for a buck. All right. What about you, Josh? Uh, Judge Dredd, definitely. Okay. Scott? Scott?
3: I just, I'm such a follower. I like, but I like the 12,000, 12, what? The 2012 Judge Dread because it fits my mood at, lately, was, I guess.
0: Was that the Stallone one, or was that the... No, no, that's
3: the Carl over? It was I'm the one Karl with, Arbor. it was real dark and super violent, and had lots of like acid trippy scenes in there where you're kind of like, what is happening in this show? But I, I, I liked it, it was good. I like, I feel like they should have done a whole series in that kind of, uh, what do you call that? Post, not a post-apocalyptic future world. Dystopian? I'm yeah. I'm super articulate tonight. You guys are in for a treat. That's, that's <laughs> some of my best words right there.
0: Right, yeah. It's very, it's definitely was very dystopian. I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. What about you, Steve? Uh, I'm with Scott. Um, big fan of that
5: one. Um, I, I think I think part of it though it, it, it comes down to how much I love the raid um yeah. and, and that oh, great, great. that and the raid are are so they're so simpatico with each other um, yeah in fact that was that was one of the big accusations when 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 that 2012 movie came out is that they you know just ripped off the
3: raid at some stuff. Out. Yeah. I do have to have to admit, going back with Michael though, on the, the original Robocop, because I worked at a movie oh, theater cool. when that came out. And I remember sitting there at the movie theater, in a small town, and these people taking their kids out <laughs> after the first person was blown to smithereens. With the Ed 209. They're, yeah. And <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. It's the most yeah. dangerous condenser microphone in the universe, right there. Yeah,
3: right. There you go. <laughs> so, so it, it definitely was uh it defied expectations,
0: give it that. Is Judge Dredd open um, license now, or is that still is it still IP? Is the copyright?
2: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's still copyrighted. It's
5: definitely copyrighted.
0: I know a lot of stuff just released the uh, reached the uh, end of their um, copyrights. So I wasn't sure if Judge Dread the original was one of them. So, all There's right, Nick. Like Steamboat Willie. Yeah, like stuff. They're already going after him for Steamboat Willie, saying it's uh, infringing on their brand because they trademarked Mickey, and so they're trying to get around it. It's it'll be an interesting case to follow. If, you, yeah. if you're interested in this, but Nick, I didn't want to forget you tonight. Like I have in the past. So, you know, <laughs> love your brother. Uh, Judge Dredd time cop or what was the uh, Robocop?
6: Yeah, nobody chose time cop. I mean, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme. I'm going to go with time cop this one.
3: Oh yeah. Roundhouse kicks, you know? Yeah.
0: And time travel, which was cool. And time paradise. Yeah, awesome yeah.
6: yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed um, that movie.
0: I, I liked all of them, but uh, Robocop was, was the first one. So it was one of the first sci fi that I watched. And as LaVoice is pointing out in the side chat, yes, none of them were technically space cops, which is the uh, general topic for today, but they were sci fi cops and it was the best we could find. I will and- tell you, in trying to do
4: research for this show earlier today, which of course I left all of that on my lap, on my machine at work, um, because I was shamelessly researching on my boss's dime. But um, there are not a lot of space cop films out there. Um, there are. There are not. There's a couple of series, uh, one actually called Star Cops from the BBC. And I think the most popular example might be Outland uh, Sean yeah. Connery as a federal marshal on the moon uh, of Io.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, not a lot of space cops out there. Almost Most lists are sci-fi cops.
5: There's there's a pretty there's a pretty decent one um, in the first season or so of The Expanse, and um, that's Miller's whole character. He's basically space yeah. security cop. True. Um, True. I, I got to
4: admit I've never seen that show, so I don't know. It's also
5: books a, are fan w- Books are fantastic. W- um, w- books are fantastic. Show does a great job.
0: Normally, we would say we'd ask people that wore the uniform because, you know, we're veteran focused, veteran friendly. But since this is Space Cops, we're going to interview. We're going to ask this question to the three former or current cops on the panel. And uh, I will again go in alphabetical order as uh, decided by the great and mighty oracles of word. So they use first names, not last. Don't hate me. Um, Or maybe not. I don't know. We're just going with it. Um, (laughs) They're going to mock me either way and they're going to send me memes about how stupid infantry is. I know how it goes. But uh, Josh, so how do you feel like your time, separate from just being in the Air Force, how do you think your time as a police officer affects the way you tell stories?
2: Hmm. Um, well, it definitely affected how I wrote uh, my first trilogy, The Valor Trilogy, um, just because it, it was a blend of uh, military sci-fi and investigative work. And, uh, you know, that the main character isn't technically a, uh, city cop He's more of like a federal investigator, but I I, I used uh, a lot of the the skills and um, investigative techniques that are pretty much germane to any any type of law enforcement agency in that book. What um, does
3: have to do with anything? Yeah,
2: right. Um, but uh, I think more importantly, uh, my time as a cop uh, really gave me. Huge insights to how people are um, just in general, and also under stress. And um, you know, writing uh, intense scenes or gun gun battles. I, you know, I was never uh, deployed into a combat zone, but I definitely understand how people react under stress and in those kind of situations. And and those really lend a lot to uh, my writing. Just pulling just from general day to day stuff
0: okay um what about you nick uh, you obviously you tell stories through the comic book medium and you're a, a current border patrol agent so yes. how do you feel like your time being law enforcement although federal instead of city or state how do you think that affects the way you create stories um
6: i think it it's it's similar to like my experience in the military it's um the mindset's still the same um you go out on the job you want to come back every night you know you you meet strange and interesting people that you work with, and that is also your opposition—criminals. Uh, so um, a lot of those things, you're just—and because I'm a comic book guy, I'm like, oh man, this would make a really good comic. Oh, I'm going to throw this guy into the comic, you know. So it 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 helps. I think it's because most writers draw from life and then their experiences anyway. So you know, this is just a very. Specific and interesting and strange job, you know, just kind of gives you more or a, a different perspective on uh, on people and surroundings and things like that. It's just it's a unique experience that, when you throw it in story form, it it becomes interesting.
0: I would think it would help you become more empathetic because you tend to meet people on the worst days of their lives.
2: I was just going to say that that for for law enforcement uh, even if federal or state, it doesn't matter. Um, Every single day that you work is your average day. That's your normal day. And almost everybody you're coming in contact with, it's the worst day of their life, literally. And it it takes a little while to get used to that and come to grips with that. But it also speaks a lot to the pressures that you're under all the time, having to deal with that kind of stress and the the people, how they're reacting to it,
0: and you also get to see the world through gallows humor because first responders and military all develop sort of different flavors of that. And then when that slips, that mask slips just a little bit to the general normie public. They're like, "Oh my god, what's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> you did half of oh, it." Not- like, Steve, does this guy need help?
6: Yeah, <laughs> let's, not, let's not open that door. What is wrong? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Steve gets that a lot with his horror. I'm told. Uh, although I do like when you tell people as you write torture scenes that you just write what you know. Although maybe you don't say that in <laughs> of cops. I do. I, I say that, right? that in we'll public up, as for.
5: often as I can.
0: <laughs> it's plausible <laughs> deniability. So when it really happens, be like, oh no, he just says that. All right, Scott, how do you feel like your time as a uh, as a police officer uh, affects the way you create stories for for your viewing public?
3: Well, I was going to just say what they said and crib off of them for everything, but uh, I, ha- I do have a couple things I could add and everything they said is absolutely on the mark. So, um, but I would also say that like your constant exposure to characters because every single person that you encounter has a story to tell. And if you'd listen um, and pay attention, you just pick up lots of material not necessarily in the obvious things, sometimes in the obvious plot related things, but a lot of times, you'll need a character that, you know, is tripped or something. And you have all these different experiences where you've, you uh, you know, gone through some of some moments like that. Um, You know, and it just, it gives it, uh, it gives a little bit of depth. Um, There's some pitfalls, but I guess we can probably talk about those in a different section. So I don't just blabber on mindlessly.
0: And, and I will say, while I don't, I won't ask the rest of the panel because if they're not wearing a badge, I don't want to cheapen the questions we ask the first responders in the military. But I will say, Jenny and Michael both have kids that wear a badge. Stabby married one. Steve was the child of one. I'm like the only odd man out here. Um, you're, I mean, friends okay, you you're friends with one. You fit. You're with many of them. It's okay. You you kind of fit. You're a criminal.
4: It's all right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've got one speaking <laughs> ticket.
0: So. We
3: could slot you in.
0: And I was charged Jr. with a misdemeanor for code violation on my siding. So, I mean, that's almost the same thing as a hardened criminal. I got wild. out of it, though, because I fixed it because I'm a good citizen. Aren't you a booze runner for a while?
7: Didn't your mom just adopt me?
0: She, well, she, well, yeah. but you don't.
7: Therefore, you're my brother, and Nick is your brother-in-law. Yeah,
0: there, there you go. go. My mom likes her. My mom likes everyone more than me. Man, that's a problem. I really should talk to a doctor or something about that.
7: She sent me a lot but.
0: of food. <laughs> she made me cook it, though. I... <laughs> what, what, is
4: he, what, is this, what is this psychoanalyst going to tell you? Get used to it. That'll be 85 bucks, please. Pretty yeah. much. Pretty much. All right. Ooh, that's
6: a so, cheap one. Yeah,
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> it's government rates. 1989. Like $300. dollars yeah. be 375 so, it's Been a while I mean, since I was in therapy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we gathered the panel because we had the idea that we wanted to talk about what potential <clears throat> law enforcement in a science fiction setting might look like. I think most of us are used to the idea of bounty hunters. I mean, we start with Boba Fett. if a lot of people's first experience in the Star Wars universe. So we're going to open it with that question. Do you think uh, bounty hunter stories count as uh, space cops?
2: I would say if you're trying to actually write a space cop, mm-hmm. story, probably not because... Yeah. Cops and bounty hunters operate on a, a very different playing field and have to abide by, well, bounty hunters might not have any rules. I got a bounty hunter story. Them. I'll tell
3: you Definitely, right now. Definitely. Yeah, same. <laughs>
2: uh, you know, if you're writing space cops, there's re- regulations, there's laws, uh, department-wide, uh, city, state, federal, all those type of things that uh, regulate law enforcement. There's a commission that stipulates... Um, requirements for those jobs and uh, maintaining of those credentials and a bounty hunter i mean you've got to pay for a license and sure you technically got to obey the law but you know whereas a cop need a needs a a warrant or some legal uh precedent to do something a bounty hunter doesn't really operate under the same standards yeah a couple of really good good series
4: that illustrate those differences uh rick partlow did a series, uh, started with a book called star bounty. And, um, that was an ex federal marshal who's now a bounty hunter who still has dealings with the other marshals that he used to work with. And so you got to see a lot of the contrast between what he can do and what they can and can't do. Uh, but I think a really interesting take on the whole bounty hunter space cop trope was, uh, M.G. Heron did a series called the gun files Uh, which involved a human bounty hunter uh, in Texas who stumbles into the uh, truth that there is a vast alien community living in Texas and actual space cops come down and ask him to help keep an eye on some of the more dangerous, nasty ones. Um, It's a great series. I think he's about to relaunch it with a fourth book, actually. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, it was, it was a neat take on the trope cause you got a human bounty hunter. He's not really taking bounties on these guys, but he still has to investigate and keep eyes on them and report back to the real space cops. It's almost it like a, a CI
3: with guns He's yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. In, in, and if I'm jumping out of line, somebody just spack me. But what I think in, in response to your initial question, JR, the, is there a difference between the bounty hunter and the space cop? And I, I believe there really is <clears throat> because bounty hunters, if you tell somebody, I wrote a, bounty hunt, a space bounty hunter story like Boba Fett, they're going to immediately know what you're talking about. And they're probably not going to think about cop stuff. Now, they I think they can coexist, but I think that for the purpose of classification, like to most readers or viewers, depending on what you're doing, that probably... Bounty hunter stories and space cop stories are not the same.
0: Okay. So I have to agree.
1: Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, bounty hunters, you know, like y'all have said, they don't have to follow the laws, they don't have to follow the rules. Whereas a cop, they're expected to follow the laws, follow the rules. You're not going to find a cop, you know, Breaking into a house, whereas you kind of would expect it from a bounty hunter.
6: I think yeah. to, to
1: off... more, as I say, there's more rules that the cops are going to follow than a bounty hunter, and that's kind of expected.
5: Yeah, and, and, and to riff off of that, I think it's it's a matter of kind of like the attitude and perspective through which you're telling that story. You know, like 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 what you just said you know the the idea that that you know a cop is supposed to obey the law and do these things in fiction look in, we all understand fiction. that you know in fiction we, we we all understand that that you know you're you're going to have to suspend some of that disbelief and stuff mm-hmm. but if you're telling the story from a cop point of view the instances in which they circumvent the law that they are supposed to protect or or do things <coughs> outside of those those rules then then that it means more in that context whereas if you're doing a bounty hunter story you expect that and if they don't do that then the reader's like well, what's in, wrong with this bounty hunter this bounty the, hunter sucks you know,
3: in a space cop story they're part of an organization because they're cops, along to a department yeah. whereas when you're a bounty hunter you might just be one guy mm. and maybe you check in at, when you turn in your bounty but the the uh, the Bounty Hunter procedural versus police procedural would look a lot different. Yeah, 100%. Well, and also I think... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go
7: ahead, Um, I was going to say, if we're going to talk Bounty Hunter versus law enforcement in the the Star Wars universe, then we have to touch base on The Mandalorian show and um, Cobb Vanth, the sheriff on Tatooine. Because oh, yeah, for he's sure. Technically in space, he is technically law enforcement and he's in the Star Wars universe. So, I think the sheriff may, you know, hold the the well, torch for the cops in, in
3: space.
4: He he was a marshal in that. The authority <laughs> Omar- well, no marshal. Yes.
3: He looked When, up- they, really, really-
4: when they got Olafson to play him, they really really just said, "Hey, really it's just your character from Justified in space."
2: Yeah, for sure.
4: One of the other big differences,
2: no one was. I love that character. Uh, I think one of the other differences that uh, people might not immediately think of uh, when comparing the two is typically speaking, uh, a cop, whether in space or not, is trying to build a case um, and uh, for that case to hold up legally. And uh, so not only are the laws required to be followed, but you've got to follow the procedure of like evidence, chain of custody, yeah, chain of custody. Um, all of that stuff. And, and a bounty hunter isn't looking to make a case. They're just looking to find their guy and get a payday and they don't care about, you know, pre- preservation of evidence or any of that.
3: It probably further was as little as possible after this. <laughs> yeah, no right.
2: Yeah. Did we lose JR?
1: Go ahead, Jenny. Oh, I mentioned Cara Dune from The Mandalorian because I think she was a marshal too, wasn't she? I mean, it's yeah, been yeah. a while. Since she watching, but, you yeah. Know. She
6: started um, out were, as a mercenary and then became yeah. a marshal in one of those yeah. backwater towns, backwater well, planets.
3: Yeah. You know, before, yeah. they
5: can, before they canned her, that was what was her whole Waterhole series was going to be about was her being space, space star wars marshal.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah, you could also he was niche, amazing in
1: part too,
3: but. You could also niche down quite a bit because there's a difference between a sheriff's uh a space cop sheriff story. I wrote one of those in Dark Landing uh with Craig Martel. There's uh, your space cop investigator like in The Expanse and then you have like you know your street cop type space cop like you know in some of those other ones we talked about. And you so got Josh Hayes
4: with his hybrid uh JAG cop <laughs> yeah, for sure. Story. I love those books, by the way. Those are
0: great. Oh, thank you. For the record, I agree with you, and I disagree with your publisher, jobs. In the future, they're still not getting away from paper. They've been telling they to go paperless for the last few decades. Uh, I don't see it happening. Yeah, they're going to be printing that crap out. Yeah, no uh, joke.
6: I, I, I can tell you, they, they've tried to digitize most of the stuff that we do in the field in my job, and when your phone just shits the bed. It goes ten seven on you. Yeah. Uh I got two hundred bodies. I got to process in the field, and this little government phone, this little Samsung, was like my only saving grace in having to do a mountain of paperwork.
3: So, the, uh, like the joke Facebook.
6: that the yeah, joke yeah.
2: Jr. is referring to is in the in the first Fowler book. I had one of the characters walk into the boss's office, and in the original draft, it was covered in files and, and all of this and the character makes a I thought we were going paperless joke because all federal agencies and military and all that they've been going paperless <laughs> for years and I thought yeah. it would be funny but you know uh, it was in the year like 26 something like way far so, in yeah, the future it and matter. and Steve said they're not going to have paper in the 26th century and so I acquiesced <laughs> to his editing notes and, and instead of having it uh, be paper I had it uh, pads, and I said that they were going padless, so I could still keep the the joke. But now, uh, now I get shit about it every it time.
0: That joke That's has a whole different feel. Yeah, yes, for sure. It uh, but I will say I agree with you. I, I don't think we're ever getting away from paper because when technology fails, paper's forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So papyrus. So uh, it's one last thing Space on the boundary. paper. Yeah, space not, paper. That's human. a
3: whole series now.
0: <laughs> it's got to have the uh,
2: angled corners, though, like in Battlestar. Uh, otherwise, oh, yeah. it's not space. So paper. now we it's, get
3: now we
4: get Dunder Mifflin Galactic. That's what I yes. was looking for. One hundred
0: percent, absolutely. So it's my understanding because you know I don't have the law enforcement experience the rest of you do, but bounty hunters only pick up after the cops have done their part already. No, that's not right. Right? No, so hunters, when they skip bail
3: in, in, in the United States, when you when you bond out or pay bail, you sign an agreement says, if I don't show up for court, then you guys can come get me because you guys paid my bail. And due to a really old law, that means bounty hunters can just kick in anybody's door where they think they're at if they're, if they have their bond. And so like you have these, these story, what usually happens is the bondsman call us, or bounty hunters or however we want to call them, when it's gone horribly wrong. And they're like, yeah, we're gonna have to have some help here from the police because we booted this door and it was a gang house, and everything's going wrong now. So that's my my experience. I have a funny story about a CI who tried to, who was a bounty hunter or a bondsman who tried to go pick somebody up, and all, but all he had was a knife, and he's and we wouldn't go get it, this guy for him because like we can't go in there. That's a misdemeanor warrant. We can't prove he's in there. You think he's in there, but we're not going to go get this guy for you. And he just took a knife out of his pocket and went and booted the door and went in there and grabbed the guy and dragged him out.
0: <laughs> Holy shit, that just happened. Yeah. Nice, nice. So yeah, sorry. No, that's that's totally okay. So, do you guys have favorite tropes when it comes to putting law enforcement in, in sci-fi settings? Um, do do any of the crime thriller tropes transfer over?
2: I think they, I think all the tropes transfer over, you know, it, 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 for me, it doesn't matter where you put it because the the setting is just paint anyway. It doesn't matter whether it's, if you're writing a cop book, it doesn't matter where you have it. It's all the same. All the work's going to be the same. The the technology might change the way that you collect evidence might change, but all the investigative stuff, all of that stuff is going to be the same. So you could, you could pick up a news story right now or, or, Read a police report right now, and just take that entire case and make it in the future, and it would be exactly the same uh, process, basically.
3: Yeah, yeah, I like, agree. For, I like I uh, like uh, like a buddy cop trope. I think it works good in sci-fi because you bait, you know, because in a lot of genres, action genres, space opera genres, you have kind of like. What's been real popular lately is the, is the snarky AI sidekick. Well, that's basically one half of a buddy cop type thing. And I think that's a trope that works well in the genre, in
0: either genre. Okay. What about you, Stabby? Do you have any favorite cop drama tropes? Yes, now you got on Sorry, I was I was laughing at
7: the
0: yeah the
3: chat anyways more attention to the chat apparently i
7: was i was dying over there no like i i think it's struggle with really what is the definition of the space cop because i think once you you know put you put anything in space the whole law enforcement dynamic starts turning military um it's a good point. You know, look at look, look at super troopers. You know, they're out there killing the bugs. It started out as protecting
6: starship troopers, honey.
7: Starship troopers, sorry, troopers, troopers.
2: completely different movie, which is
7: also yeah. Well, I'm sharing. I'm sharing. <laughs> you know, my brain. My brain dyslexia with everybody tonight. Apparently, these
2: space wow. nosberries taste like space nosberries.
7: <laughs> they really do. They really do. They're in my cup. <laughs> um, For twenty bucks, I'll call that
6: person a chicken snarlack.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I um, I think once you, yeah. once you take um you take it off of the planet and you put it into space. It stops being so much law enforcement and becomes military. Um, When it's protecting the planet, it becomes military. When it becomes protecting the human race, it becomes military. Because it's not just Starship Troopers. It's, you know, you see it in in Star Wars. You see it in Star Trek. uh, Even Men in Black, like, once it goes from, you know, being on Earth versus being in space um i think it changes the whole dynamics because you yeah. know it, it it even touches base in horror movies so you have uh um, movies like jason x where on earth he's cryogenically frozen and he's guarded by law enforcement for all the crazy stuff he did to the camp counselors but when they take him up into space it's the military taking care of him not the cops so yeah. i i think once you put them in space that just changes the whole
3: dynamic that's a really good point because like for example when you're a cop story you're solving a case you're like catching a killer you're getting justice but when when you in a lot of space opera and military sci-fi the stakes become i'm not solving a case i'm saving the world i'm saving the galaxy i'm securing the jump gate i'm making first contact and so that that's a really good point that you brought up
4: Yeah, it's primarily the biggest reason that I wrote the Duranian Justice Association in Galaxy's Most Wanted the way I did. Because I set it up intentionally that space, as we know it in this series, is largely lawless. There's some big things they agree on, like, uh, you know, chattel slavery is bad and trafficking of sentient beings is bad and stuff like that. Uh, But drugs, eh, don't really care, that kind of thing. They don't really have it. But the Doranians are trying to introduce these concepts of law and order into a largely lawless galaxy. And um, they're being rather militaristic about it. They've got their own space navy, they can commandeer other military vehicles if they need them. Um, so, yeah, to your point, Stabby, I do agree. When the territory gets that freaking big, you almost have to go that route.
0: Do you, though? I've- because I can see, yeah, jurisdictions are going to change. But, but I could see, certainly, I mean, what Scott did it with his uh, Dark Landing series, um, with his Dark Landing series, it was basically space Western law enforcement type story. And that works. Mm-hmm. You could use the analog of the wild, wild west where, you know, one lawman and a gun and a horse was patrolling, you know, the whole Utah territory or, you know, insert whatever. I, I don't think just because that's the way it's been done so far in fiction that that's the way it has to be.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, There was one show, uh, and now I'm drawing a blank on the name, but it was a, I'm fairly confident it was a space cop, and it was kind of the opposite of what you're talking about. It was far future, but he was trying to solve a case, and maybe he wasn't actually a cop. Maybe it was, it was, uh, it was based on a Philip K. Dick book, and it became a, I think, a Netflix series, and- yes yeah. altered carbon was yeah.
4: he wasn't he a cop he's he's not a cop he's
3: no was, but it's, no. he's actually it's military
4: co- but it's, military, oh well yeah. oh, right.
3: throw it out the window then but but your your point is right I mean, on kind of because yeah. it's written as a yeah. hard-boiled detective novel that's, that's right. Right. yeah okay that's right yeah and that's, now and that how noir in space
4: is huge uh, there's a lot of examples of noir and, detective stuff in space
3: yeah. Yeah.
5: And, yeah and that was that that that's the trope that i really like um, I, I like going into the noir side of things because because oh, I think there's so much
3: there are
5: so yeah there there are so many opportunities within you know science fiction whether we're talking space opera or especially if you go into the cyberpunk angle which is which is more what altered carbon is yeah where you you know where so you you can really 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 lean into kind of that that whole trope of the of the tarn like the tarnished knight you know yeah sort of a thing and and i i love i i freaking love that stuff
1: i actually went um murder mystery with the uh sci-fi series that i wrote uh hopefully it'll be out this time sometime this year uh the editor had a lot of life stuff happening but um i had a homicide detective on an alien planet and she's half human, half Kalazian and I actually ended up talking with my eldest and he helped really with everything because it was like, okay, I have the, you know, this evidence, you know, what would work for a sci-fi. And he would go, okay, well, it's not, you can't use this, this or this because it's too far in the future. And he threw, you know, give suggestions and everything. He'd tell me if I had the procedures right, um, the bantering between the department, the, you know, officers in the department. And honestly, the whole thing would not have been created and fleshed out as much if it hadn't been for him.
5: That's cool. I, I, I also think, and 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 I really like what Jenny just said. Um, and to and to kind of piggyback off of that some more, I, I think what we're talking about here and, and the difference here, a lot of it starts relating to what the stakes of the story are and the stakes of the conflict are. Um, when when we're talking space opera stuff, yeah, a lot of the stakes tend to be planet galactic wide type of things, and and yeah, that that definitely lends more towards a can lend towards a more militaristic out, you know, outlook. Um, but when you, if, if you go more murder mystery or more noir, a lot of those stakes are more personal because they, they tend to relate to the loss of one person, the troubles of one person yep. or, or corporate corruption or or things of that nature or, or, in, or internal department corruption. Right. I mean, that's a huge noir. Tradition. That's so, exactly what I mean, did for the first one. Yeah. And so, and so I think, I think it just depends on the stakes, right. And, and the type of story you want to tell, um, not, neither are wrong, obviously. Um, but the stakes that you choose will largely determine, um, well, it will largely determine the type of story you're telling and the way you you, you choose to tackle these things. And so, and the way you structure like the departments and the rules and, and the organizations and all that kind of stuff. So
0: for sure. Before we uh, we get back to it, we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the man or men this time, because Steve and, and Larry were nice enough to sponsor this episode.
3: The war between Almasya and the Empire of Kolokovia is in
6: its hundredth year. Casualties grow on both sides as the conflict leaves no corner of the world untouched. Alarian Glaskov's quiet life on the fringes of the Empire is thrown into chaos when an impossible tragedy strikes his village. When he is conscripted into the Tsarist military, he is sent to serve in the Wall. An elite regiment that pilots suits of armors made from the husks of dead goblins. The Great War is not the only, or even the worst, danger facing Valerian, as he has caught in a millennia-old conflict between two goddesses. He must survive the ravages of trench warfare, horrific monsters from another world, and the
0: treacherous internal politics of the country he serves. Servants of War. New military fantasy by Master of Horror Steve Diamond and international
6: bestseller Larry Correa. Available on Amazon or wherever fine books
0: are sold. Pick up your copy today. All right, thank you for sticking with us through that commercial really Hold on, hold on. Solo layout. Come on, don't fail me mean, now, Streamyards. Oh. Ah, yes. Yeah, but it looks signed.
2: It looks so good. Thank you, thank
5: you, Vanna.
0: Is it signed? Very nice, very nice.
2: Uh, no, it's not signed. Here, Steve, could you sign this real quick? Just give me a sec. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
6: I mean, it see trick? if we
2: if we would have planned that, I would have had
5: a hard cover with me. And then oh, just, like, that would have been so down. great! That would
2: have yeah. been dope. That, that <laughs> so great.
0: Why do I never think of this cool stuff before? That would have been hilarious. After. We'll fix it in editing.
4: Yeah, yeah, right. we say that on this podcast a lot, and it never happens.
0: <laughs> it's editing so takes a lot of work. All right, and I it really how... does. It
7: really does. That's my job.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she does the editing now, so. <laughs>
4: I wouldn't know. I haven't edited things since back in the day when we were using three and a quarter inch
0: tape for television. <laughs> um, I'm yes, just gonna I smile. At you. So, were there any other tropes that anyone wanted to talk about before we move on to tones?
3: I like uh,
1: the donuts.
3: <laughs> yeah, I actually actually have found in in, in some other shows I've written that writing about pets and food is often a reader favorite. They like that shit, but. Uh, and so do I, actually, because I remember reading Dean Koontz, and they, whenever they talked about their dog or he had these long scenes where the, you know, like had this one, what was it? It was in uh, Mr. Murder and Dragon Tears. I don't know if you've ever read either of those. But the basically the bad guy had the super metabolism so he could eat anything he wanted. And he would go on these binge fests. And I was like, this is awesome. wish I could eat like that. Yeah,
4: you had a few diatribes in Galactic Shield.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, and so in Galactic Shield, I, what I was going to talk about um for tropes is i did a squad thing so i was trying to make it like like um um the shield or you know any of these ncis um kind of a a team of investigators and i i don't know that it came off quite like that because it drifted it's so easy to drift back into the military Mm -hmm. because i needed them to be able to use battle mechs i'm like well it's because they were all veterans you know and and then that brought along some of their demons that they had to deal with. Like they had a lost friend um, who they had to go kind of drug dig out of this drug den that was wound up being connected to other parts of the plot. And it was really easy to go down that military sci-fi thing. But that is a trope I like the the, the squad. That works, I think, in military sci fi. It also works in cop stories because both have squads and those tight, small groups of people.
7: So that's you gotta um, love the good cop, bad cop too.
3: Oh yeah. I like it, Bad it, Cop Bad Cop and Bad Cop Worse Cop.
7: <laughs> you, see <laughs> it, cop worse it all, you see it you see in so much things that they even touch base on it in uh Guardians of the Galaxy with the Nova Core. Yeah. You have like the goofy cop and then the more serious one, and you're like, mmm. Good <laughs> So yeah. I think that's a fun trope that they always touch on.
3: Yeah, that 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 can be very useful. We Sorry, leaned into
2: the uh we leaned into the donut joke when I was working uh, nights and uh, there were four of us that all had the same days off. And uh every night, uh yeah, around two a.m. when we had about an hour left of shift, uh, was when the uh donut store started making their donuts for the new day. And we would go and park in front of the donut store and just chill and uh drink coffee and just for the memes, because we knew people were gonna drive by and go, look at them. Didn't even have any donuts. No, we They're were just drinking them. coffee.
3: Yeah.
7: If it so makes the, you feel any better, uh, the Border Patrol not only gave every single person on shift a donut for National Donut Day, but they took it and made an Instagram reel out of it. I nice. A green donut and taking a bite out of it. So if you want to see Nick eating a yeah, green donut. they got donut. <laughs>
0: So the donut joke gives me, got me thinking, because I actually took some criminal justice classes as an undergrad because I had spaces I had to fill. Uh, and it, I had to actually research why, and it started, the, the joke was that donut shops were the, one of the places open 24 hours a day. So they would get robbed at night. So they would offer free donut and coffee to the cops. Yeah. So the cops would hang out there off hours. They got robbed less. It was such a trope. There was a, um, a movie, a, uh, a cop movie. I can't remember what it was, where they actually tweakers rob a donut store and suddenly you turn and everyone in the building isn't just a civilian. They've all like guns yeah. put on them. I, I just um, saw that. But I can't remember what movie it was. Oh, in. Right, no, I just remember it was about a, had a sports guy. But will anyway, yeah, find it. But uh, that got me thinking: is there's a reason most of the tropes start? So if you're going to use them, honest, you almost want to think about why the trope exists. So you factor it in instead of just a one liner, because that can oh, add depth to it. I think one of yeah, the there's a,
2: a tro- before I forget, I want to while we're talking about tropes, there's a a trope that's not used or tropes in plural that's not used a lot in cop fiction. Um, And probably because not very many people realize it. But um, if you watch when a cop enters a building anywhere, let's say it's just a gas station, (laughs) watch what people do when cops enter the building. It'll it'll be a uh, a number of things that always happens. Somebody will say, oh, he's got a warrant. Or... They'll put up their hands and say he, he, did, in it.
3: Jail. he did it. He <laughs> did. Or yeah.
2: yeah, things like that. But also the things that the the one that always made me so angry is when oh, you walk down crazy. the aisle and a parent standing with their kid, and the parent looks down at their kid and says, "You better act good, or I'm gonna have that officer take you to jail." And it happens all the time. And I always told the parents, I don't know why you would tell your kid that because you want your kid to feel safe and comfortable around a cop and you want them to come for me to help. Not afraid of them. Yeah. And so if you're writing like tropes or you're looking for some bit of realism, you can add that stuff, but include the negative uh, response that the cop or the officer would have to that thing. uh, Because every. Every single time it happened, I wanted to punch the dude in the face. And uh, I, of course, I didn't because uh, I liked my job. But uh,
3: <laughs> I turned around one time and said, Well, actually, he's nine. He can't be arrested, but I can arrest you. And True. That was nearly as funny as I did. Totally yeah.
6: different. In my line <laughs> of work, when I walk into the, the little convenience store or whatever, all I hear is pinche migra.
3: <laughs> <laughs> There's also some of those things. That,
6: T- yeah, a lot of that too. And then, then I'm getting like Takis and putting nacho cheese on it. And they're like, My oh, favorite website
4: of cops was always uh, search me. I might have something on me. That would be what my characters would say.
3: There you yeah. go. I, I was working <laughs> a part-time at Walmart and this guy walked by and said, Yeah, he did it. And so I just took my handcuffs out and hooked him up. humor. The, uh,
1: my son's chief, um, he came by to visit and he was telling us that a parent actually, you know, said the line about, you know, if you're not good, they'll take you to jail. He turned around and was like, no, I won't take the kid to jail, but I'll take you to jail. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's a good response.
3: I'm always super nice to kids and, you know, you start bonding with them and stuff because your, your job there is you got to let them know not to be scared of you. So you immediately get down their level and find out what they're like and, And it can be kind of fun, but it's usually not what the parents want when you're, like, become their buddy instantly.
1: We actually ended up asking the resource officer at uh, the local schools if they would visit my son's uh, classroom after my eldest was killed in the line of duty in June. And there... The response I got was, they don't like going to the elementary school because it scares the kids. And I'm like, that's all the reason to go. Yeah, go there. The what's your
3: Josh, them. then you'll scare them even more. But...
1: I'm like, mm. yeah, but if you go to... The, uh, the reason we asked was because my youngest two are artistic and the youngest is seven, nonverbal, and elopes. He is Houdini. And Anytime he would see someone in a uniform, he would elope less. So we were hoping the resource officer went and even just said hi. Maybe it wouldn't keep him from eloping from the school, which he actually escaped from last year before (laughs) everything happened because he's Houdini. So, yeah, I have no clue if they did or if they have been or not. I haven't asked, but.
3: I, yeah, that, that reminds me of another. I have one good trope people could use. It's easy and it's stickers. And Josh, yeah, you, I because I, I
6: carry them in my cargo pocket. Yeah. Little agent yeah. badges,
3: yeah, stickers and little things like that. Because they always ask, and you could have a, a space cop that gives kids the equivalent of a sticker, little holo. You could do that. That that yeah. that could that could go somewhere.
6: I've still got mine.
2: I'll yeah, <laughs>
3: can okay. I get one of those? Put on my junior junior police sticker. Yeah, I, I got a
6: whole roll of, of them. I'll send one to you.
5: There you the, go. The, the opposite of all of this is when your dad's a cop, and uh, and he finds out where you are um, when you're growing up, you know, teenager and stuff, mm-hmm. and he knows where you're going to drive, so he goes and pulls you over at any chance he gets like an just, oddly specific just to, story just to terrify you <laughs> yeah hypothetically speaking i mean yeah. I, I heard yeah. it happen to a friend of mine
3: yeah uh,
5: <laughs> yeah or you know that's awesome if your dad i don't know happens to be in charge of the airport for a while and uh you know meets you as you're deplaning to take you to have security take you in
0: in oh. front of everybody
5: oh no hypothetically speaking that's i hear cool. that that uh that it's funny for everyone else, but not for me or you, whoever, the hypothetically, person. The, yeah. the person.
2: I, uh, I was on the uh, bomb squad when I was on the department and we did a lot of, uh, work with the, uh, the, uh, federal guys that I got I can't remember if they had DEA or ATF, but they, they worked with, uh, the, the airport security people in the screening areas And uh, so we did a lot of uh, co-training with them and I was going to clan lab school uh, to learn how to make meth. And I was going through the line and I saw the guy up in the deal and my first thought was, I wonder. And then I was like, no, there's absolutely no way that I'm going to do anything quirky uh, because it would just cause too much of a ruckus. And so I made it through and then said, hi. And I said, I almost, and he said, I saw you and I knew what you were thinking. And I'm glad that you did not.
7: (laughs) I think the scariest moment has to be when you're sitting there in fifth grade and all the dare officers walk in and you realize all three of them are best friends with your uncle. (sighs)
3: <sighs> and you're
0: just sitting there like this. Don't
7: call on me. Don't call on me. Don't call on me. Don't
0: call on me. <laughs> so when you're writing these uh, or reading these uh, police in space, uh, these sci-fi settings, because some of them can be on Earth. If it's sci-fi, it's just you know far enough in the future. Is there a certain tone that you think the stories need? Or, or can it work in any kind of like you know lighthearted story, a darker, grittier story? Does yeah, It could be either,
4: man. I mean, look at the differences in cop movies, just non-space cop movies. I just mentioned in the chat, so I'm going to say it here. Running Scared, Gregory Hines, Billy Crystal, couple of love Chicago. That movie. God, I love that movie. That's one of the best cop movies I've ever seen in my life. It's horribly unrealistic. I don't care. I love it. But. um, you can do stuff like that. I mean, that's kind of the tone that I set with *Galaxy's Most Wanted. There's a lot of humor, a lot of weird, crazy stuff happens in it. And so, yeah, that's you can have that. But you can also have the darker, more serious movies uh, and the psychological thriller movies types in space as well. I mean, you're going to have serial killers in space, right?
3: Yeah. Oh, Yeah. I think that I think that is important. I think you can have, you know, we can come up with lots of different examples. There's all kinds of different tones, you know. I think when when you when you're deciding on tone, it's you need to know your audience and what audience you're trying to reach. Uh, in my experience, because my my Space Cop stuff, well, Dark Landing was super fun, and it was real popular. Uh, I mean, people liked it. I had people come tell me about it, and then my uh, Galactic Shield was a lot darker, and I had people that loved it and will, are still harassing me to write more books in it. But it didn't have the same appeal. On a, it didn't have as wide of an appeal because it was also like right after 2020, and people didn't want to have dark, depressing things in their lives, and they wanted something that was more fun. And so that you could do either tone. You can have a, you can do the Beverly Hills Cop, or you can do you know the Shield. And you'll, find, fall you'll for find the readers for banana boy. in
6: a tailpipe, man. I fall for the mean for I it's, would love to see that in a space setting.
3: Like oh, yeah. I
6: I'm falling for the banana in the uh in, in the, the, reactor. the,
3: in the reactor. reactor. In the reactor. The trilithium drive <laughs> generator.
5: Well, I mean, you know, it, it's I, I think to I, I like your point, Scott, because I mean it's uh, am I aiming for people who enjoy Brooklyn nine nine, or am I aiming for people who would rather see Bosch? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Some those two like
3: both, but not everybody. Likes
5: you're them. right. Yeah. I mean, of course there's a Venn diagram, right. But, but that overlap isn't, is as much as it is. Now me personally, um, I'm, I'm more invested in the, in the, of course the, the horror, which, which tends to lay, le- which tends to lend towards the thriller elements, the suspense elements um, you know, sometimes the supernatural elements. Um, and and towards the darker side of things. And so I, I care about the emotional impact and the horrificness that, that, that families who are, um, who, who are either in law enforcement or law enforcement adjacent, you know, I, I think that that's hyper-powerful stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I remember, I remember growing up and, um, you know, and my, my dad was fairly new, uh, for in, in, in the Sacramento sheriff's department and it was like
6: act down my town
5: yeah yeah and uh and so he uh he was he was working nights at the main jail downtown um while also going on, on patrol and stuff here and there and you know at midnight we get a you know we get a phone call and and then my you know my mom runs out of the house almost immediately and of course you know at the time i was 16 you know this is a long time ago and you know, that, that emotional impact of that is, I, I barely remember anything from high school. Um, in fact, I actively try to, to not think about it, but that right there, like the, the that feeling of, of helplessness and, and the horror involved in it. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying I want people to experience that, but if they do, I want them to experience it in fiction in a safe manner in a way that, uh, that, that they can, they can, they can distance themselves from they it if they, sure they, they want to, for sure. They can process it. Um, and whatever I read, it will never be as awful as, as, as the real thing. Um, yeah. and so, you know, so for me personally, that, that's why I tend to go towards the, I, I tend to write towards the more, um, the emotional darkness of things because I, I've experienced part of it. I worried about that stuff. I feared it daily. Um, you know, and le- less so when my dad became my dad was chief of police of a few different towns. You know, as his career went on, and and so much less so at that point, right? Like at that yeah. point, he's 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 a desk jockey, um, you know, just trying not to get sued by morons in his department. Yeah, but you know, anywhere. Yeah, but but you know, but that's that's and that's why I said earlier, like I I tend to I really love the noir tropes because you have guys that. In spite of the horror and the terror, and, and, and like what Josh was saying it towards the very top of the episode, where how you know when you are going out, you are seeing everybody's worst day. Um, you know that. How, how does the cop react to that? How does the family react to that when the
3: cop the comes The problem home? is, is that you start to see you start not because you know that's real when you see the really dark stuff firsthand, but yeah. then when you see normal people walking around at the grocery store, you are like, what is underneath the surface? you yeah. bet there probably is something dark there but you don't know and I think the the appeal of really dark fiction is that you can just look at that and process it and yeah. when, when I write cop stuff I slide towards the darkness a lot because of some of the assignments I had in my in my career but um, and I but I also use the dark cop humor too to and sometimes that goes horribly wrong sometimes my editors like what is that that you just said and I'm like, well
2: one of the things too yeah. when you talk about tone uh, maybe not in uh, the tone of the book, but even just the tone of a sequence. Uh, you know, we mentioned mm-hmm. gallows humor and, and, you know, I don't think cops are the only ones that use that. I mean, nurses are, uh, really good yeah. examples of that. And sometimes could can be even worse than, cops. Oh, yeah. They're and, very and very sometimes. Some, but, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're, if you're going, if you're going for a certain tone in a sequence, like, uh, if, uh, and you're not familiar with law enforcement or that, uh, environment. There, there are times where it's on and time times where it's off and if you're in an intense situation like a uh a shooting call or some kind of high profile thing most of the time it's on and only after does all the other stuff come out and i you know i've seen a, a few examples uh, uh in books where uh the gallows humor kind of comes out in the middle of all that and typically speaking if it's in progress like that that shit doesn't happen you're on time for it and and it's all business and after the business is done then the the jokes get carried away or you know if if your partner got knocked down in a fight you're gonna beat the crap out of the other guy but then after the fight you're gonna give your partner shit for getting knocked down um but it's not gonna happen during
3: and so you that know, might when be, you tell the story later, it might have some funny bits in it. One hundred percent, yeah, exactly.
2: Um, yeah. But that, but that that's one of the things I think maybe focusing on tone when you're writing is just making sure that you're putting those elements in the right context and that's in the great. right order.
0: That's that's a, that's a yeah.
2: super super interesting point, Josh. And,
5: and I, I talk about this. Um, you know, generally, generally, people only let me come on shows when they talk about horror stuff. They're like, if it's anything else, we're not going to allow you on the show, Steve. Um, but you know, in this, you know, sometimes they do. And and one of the things I always talk about is is kind of that that nature between horror and humor, um, and and the order in which you put it in uh, can drastically change the impact of a scene. Yeah. So you know, a lot of times you, you talk about like you're you're in the heat of the moment, the adrenaline's pumping, and then after the fact, there's the crash. And then people have a moment in, 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 in the, in the, the way some people process is, is through, is through dark humor and things like that. Okay. And that's used to cut tension, but the, the reverse is also true. And that's that you can use, uh, you know, you, you start with humor and, and things are good. And then instead of, so, so by leading with humor and then hitting you with horror, it actually makes the horror more horrific oh, yeah, because it psychologically sure. makes the reader uh, feel guilty for, for thinking about the humor right when the horror hits. Yeah. And and I think that in, in detective fiction, especially, um, detective fiction, cop fiction, and stuff like that, you can use the, that, that element, you know, that, that positional element of it, like you were saying, Josh, to a maximum effect. You know, who 100%. was good
4: at that in non-space cop fiction was Elmore Leonard. Uh, Elmore Leonard was like the master of, having a a cop and a crook having a funny discussion and then all of a sudden everything gets real Mm -hmm. and it's such a juxtaposition from the banter of a few minutes ago to the serious I'm taking you down kind of a Joe
5: Joe Lansdale is another one that does that exceptionally Mm -hmm. well.
1: There's also the, the gallows humor and how people use that to respond to situations. There's also the flip side of how other people around them react. And one of the novels, it's like one of the sequels. um, The main characters are in a duel and the one ends up in the hospital because she was injured. And they're having, you know, gallows humor because of everything that happened. And her superior is like. Getting angrier and angrier and angrier because he thinks they're just, you know, making light of the situation where it's actually the opposite. They're using it to work their way through everything that happened. And they have. Yeah, exactly. And um, it takes a healer. That's what I call the doctors. uh, It takes the healer to remind him, look, they're using it as a coping mechanism. And that's when he realizes, oh, okay, crap. I made a mistake. He has to reset. But you also have that dynamic to you can work in because not everyone is going to see that it's Gallup's humor. They're going to yeah. think, oh, they're just laughing about it.
3: Like and it's
1: actually stuff that can happen in reality.
3: Have your cop character tell a story at a party full of non-cops and see how
1: it goes. <laughs> yeah. um, I mentioned you in the chat what my track. son actually did at one point. And yeah, it was a very bad choice of words. But yeah. uh, cops actually say the bad, wrong thing at the wrong time. And it can be humorous to, to some people, not so humorous to others. And, and even worse, it makes it to the like
4: news. My, my daughter is a nurse, and oh my gosh, she chooses dinner to tell the most awful stories about oh, yeah. what she did that day. And I'm like, stop it! I don't <laughs> want to hear about boils and abscesses at dinner.
6: Cut it or out. Some guy that just had a stroke and didn't care that he <laughs> just flashed his nuts to all the nurses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I well, I that actually say, happened, Nick. That was yeah, that happens a lot you don't realize until you do. So like when I was deploying to Iraq the second time, because we were doing a lot of traffic control stops, which is basically like traffic checkpoints, you got to check the vehicles. Now we didn't have like warrants or anything. We just kind of did it because we had the guns and they didn't, but you're looking for like contraband, explosives, contraband guns. And sometimes that means you have to detain people. So before we deployed, we did a lot of training on how to restrain and apprehend uh, prisoners because normal infantry training is just Kill them till they're dead and kill them some more, and you're good. Um, And one of the things I realized is when you're actually trying to restrain somebody and not have them, like, broken and destroyed at the end, it's a lot harder. So when you see the video, like, ten on one, and the guy's like, why does it take so many? It's because they're trying not to hurt the other guy. And it suddenly fits when you watch some of these stories. Like, oh, that's why I'm watching. And no cop has ever come on and said that's why they're doing it because it doesn't occur to them probably to explain that. So the average civilian's like, oh, look at those ten cops beating up on that one three hundred pound, ten foot tall guy. Like, well, no, they're just trying to restrain him and not hurt him. Yeah, well,
2: that's, that's, a good, right. that's a good. That's uh, a good callback to like the bounty hunter slash cop <laughs> argument. Is a bounty hunter might just go 10-8 on somebody and start punching the crap out of them, and you know they knock them unconscious, put them in the back of their car, and take them to jail. Uh, you know, cops can't do that. I, I mean. It, it could happen, but just because they're resisting you, you can't turn around and punch them in the face until they start acquiescing to what you're asking them to do. No, it's,
6: <laughs> well, we all got cameras now. I mean, for even sure. on the federal side, we're, we're wearing body cams. So like the whole, you know, brush justice thing that used to happen quite a bit doesn't happen anymore because we don't want to get sued. Yeah,
3: well, I would Maybe. also argue that in law enforcement, um, if it's on what size of department, like Josh and I work on the same department. So like, You know, I might have 20 contacts a day. I might have four or five people I have to arrest a day and, and the appropriate amount of people who resist and get, get froggy. And so, um, but like as a bounty hunter might have like one a month or whenever they get somebody or whatever and stuff. So what you learn through experience is that punching somebody is a terrible way to restrain somebody. It doesn't really restrain them it's not effective, even if it was allowed to do it. A lot of those things you see in movies, like when you, my favorite one, I saw one where they hit somebody in the back of the head with a club. You know how much damage you got to do to knock somebody out for hours? That's not something that's really a very good That's not a great way to restrain somebody. It'd be much better to put them in an arm lock or a come along hold or use a taser or something that doesn't hurt them. I
6: love the taser though. I'm a huge fan of the taser. It's so funny when they get hit with it.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
6: I'm
2: I'm a fan That's of the t- I, I'm a fan of the taser. I never carried pepper spray because I react horribly to it, but the, in my yeah. experience the taser was only 50% effective and I was in a fight with a guy in his front yard and tased him and he just looked at me and kept coming and I was like, "Well, that didn't work." And thing I was is gone. sometimes. Uh, JR an answer to your question, 10-8 is, is is basically you're you're available. You're going on shift or or you know, you're, it, you're it, good to go. You're you're good to go, but in the context I was using it, when you say you go 10-8 on somebody, it just means you're going in. You're you're on.
0: You're
3: well, I mean, yeah, kind of means you went crazy. Yeah. You w- you went to work. You went to town. Yeah. You to so that 10-8.
0: that but brings yeah. us to an, another point of getting it right when you're creating the ambiance is using the right terminology because i can do that in a military story i lived that i can make it believable i don't know that i could do that in a cop story without talking to actual cops and say hey what most is of you- our 10 codes are different
5: yeah you know, we have different.
0: common ones
6: they vary they can vary between yeah. departments yeah like
5: I, I, I agree planes me, planes. i'm going
6: on duty i gotta go 1041 If i'm coming off duty i gotta go 1042 yeah, ten
3: forty two is call your wife where we're from. So, I mean, yeah.
6: <laughs> you know, the, ten uh, twenty one is uh, are you available for a call? You know, for uh, for a phone. You know, uh, we call thirty eight when we want to meet up face to face. You know, so like everybody's got everything different. I yeah. I have a cousin who's in Austin PD, and we got we did cop things. You know, drank a bottle of Jameson and discussed the differences between our agencies. You know, and we spent probably six hours just bullshitting about our different 10 codes it was hilarious
3: good times you know it's well, I, I was i was talking
6: to my oh
5: sorry i was i was talking to my dad about this because um you know for for a story i was doing um and and and, and i was talking about that that exact thing you know the, the terminology how are you know how are they calling for these things and, and he said yeah you know especially in bigger departments um, where, where they have interaction with, with other various departments that are all around them. They, they tend to just use common language. Yeah.
3: Um, I think that it, is the standard of training now yeah. it, since 9-11, the 9-11 report and some other things like that and it, is that they're trying to get everybody to go to a plain speech. Yeah. It's plain. It,
5: just, it, yeah, it prevents confusion. You know what
2: I mean? It does. And, and, well, it, point of, you know, it, uh, fact is that like in Wichita, uh, and Cedric County in general, a 1045 is a traffic stop, but in the rest of Kansas, uh, a traffic stop is a 1044. And it's, it makes no sense. There's no reason for why it's different. It's just different in Cedric County and Wichita. And you know, there, there are, there are like, you know, 10:4 is the same across the board. Uh, 10-7 is the same across the board. 10-8 is the same across
6: the board. 10-6. Um, I don't know. All of those, there too. are a
2: lot that will line up wherever. So if you're looking to use that kind of terminology, even a plain speak department, you can go back and forth between the regular like 10-4 or say, okay, or Roger, copy, whatever it is. But uh, in my opinion, in space fiction, you're writing it for everybody across all jurisdictions and all places, so your version of 1086 or whatever means nothing to the reader, even if it means something to you. And you could put it in there, um, but you would need to have a disclaimer or some kind of a dialogue tag that says, "This is what that means." And to alleviate that, I always just use plain speech, unless it's something like 104 that everybody knows what 10 for is. Um, and you know, that the other, you know, technical jargon, like saying copy or over on the radio or something like that, that's stuff that you could go on a ride along and just listen to how officers talk on the radio. Um, with, uh, but off. the really specific kind of codes and stuff like that, um, that, uh, it it's confusing for us. Uh, you know, if, if there's a, if there's a signal or code that's not used very often, like, uh, a silent bomb threat, for instance, is like, I don't know, like. as then you're a like code. looking it up. You're like, what is that code that you just said? And you're trying I'm to look through, through the thing.
3: Yeah. It's, uh, those require different responses.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 10 means free donuts. 100%. 100%. Right. It does.
7: Just to kind of circle back on a couple things that you guys were talking about. Because I've just been sitting over here being patient. <laughs> um, it's
6: probably a, oh, a story of which I too. spoke ten code at home.
7: Well, no. Well, okay. One thing that I did learn being married to you is, uh, I think, it's
6: patience. It's, I think it's patience is what you learned.
7: <laughs>
0: 10-19. Ten nineteen.
7: 19 Yeah. Um, their way of saying. It
6: was quiet. <laughs> safe, yeah. Mm. Safe without secure, saying, nothing. No, no incident of note. Yeah. It's,
7: you know, it's the response to a security
6: check, it, which is ten eighteen for my agency. You, you don't say
7: it it was quiet.
6: No, you never like say it's quiet. Are, that's bad. So enough. I
7: have
6: Yeah. Especially I, on a full moon, that's bad juju, man.
4: I have,
3: <laughs> sure is quiet you know, out there, here. <laughs> with you no crime. I didn't
4: say
6: that.
3: You get yeah. You get one able that'll do that word. End
6: of his shift. <laughs> as, so, as soon as he's relieved from his post, he'll be like, yeah. On the way back to station, like, sure is quiet tonight. Next thing you know, sensors are popping off. Mm-hmm. It's total bedlam. Um.
7: So
6: he I was, there, he's going off shift, asshole. I was um. The
7: family I was raised in. My mom was a nurse. My most of my family was military, and then I had an uncle that was, he was swat. Um, so I kind of was raised around all of it, all the different aspects of it. You know, the, the cops bringing them into the ER, the nurse that's taking care of the crazy and everything else. It's like
6: an episode of law and order in your house, <laughs> the whole thing.
7: Yeah. And then there's just me.
4: <laughs> you were supposed um, to be the attorney. That's what, we, yeah.
6: You, you were, You're supposed to to lost what you UNL. I was
4: supposed to be the family priest, you were supposed to be the attorney. I,
7: I,
6: you make a good priest, LaVoice. I'll tell you, yeah. That. <laughs>
7: but, um, I noticed that I got my sense of humor from all of them because, uh, we were dating during 2020, and he calls me and he's like, Hey, babe, I don't want you to worry but they're calling us all to the Coronado Bridge. Oh yeah, riot control. For riot control. And I was like, okay, I'll make dinner. I'll see you when you get home. And he's like, you're not freaking out? I'm like, no, not really. I'm good.
3: And that's and when so he gets,
7: He Well, he got home and he's like, oh, so they came up and when they noticed that it was all border patrol up there Somebody at the front screamed, It's not S C P D. Yeah. It's BP. Turn around, go back.
6: Yeah. We don't click. Yeah. You showed up with all the good toys. You know.
3: Yeah. That happened. To us. With just, the troopers showed up. The state troopers showed up when they tried to block off a, a street and the, and they just they didn't want to play with the troopers because they're a little not as soft, I guess.
6: We have a yeah. There's certain agencies that just have a reputation of being a little heavy-handed. I mean, it's all within policy; it's all legal, but like their tactics are fear
3: of the unknown too is probably a big part of it.
6: Yeah, they're. No, you see your neighborhood
3: cop every day. It's just your neighborhood cop, but you see the the feds show up. You're like, oh god, we're in big trouble. Yeah,
6: and we're like the redneck version of any type of federal law enforcement, you know, people think it feds, they think FBI, they're in suits, ATF, you know, DEA, stuff like that. And then there's just a bunch of us country boys, you know, just waiting, waiting to whoop ass. Like, I
4: worked with a guy, the Germantown street department who was ex border patrol can confirm redneck version confirm. of all law enforcement at the federal level. Yeah.
6: And, and it's not even a race thing. I mean, there's like Hispanic rednecks, they call them truth And I work with a lot of them and they're like, Orle, let's get done. Let's go. You know, And then they start speaking Spanish. I'm like, you know, I don't speak the language. You're like, but you're an agent. I'm like, yeah, barely. I don't speak the language. You know, I spoke it in Texas. I come over here. Everybody speaks English, you know, San Diego. Weird. But yeah, so- they, there was a hundred of them coming up on that bridge. And we're just like, and we, I think the fear hit their eyes when we all looked excited. They're like,
0: oh hell yeah! Come on up. Have you seen that picture from the the riots that happened? I think it was like 2021, and it's this line of riot cops, and then this one guy looks like he's the boss riot cop, who's like, oh the big, big giant buttons. dude, the extending like, yes. his TSB, yeah. yes, the big smile on his face. I, I'd have turned around if I was those guys. I'm like, no. Yes, Ben
6: took his free workout and didn't get to work out, so he was
7: pissed. Yeah. <laughs>
0: he's, he's gonna ready. body press you. <laughs> <laughs>
7: Nick, what toy
6: they handed him? Oh, they gave me the thumper, man.
4: Oh,
3: nice. What's yeah, the, the thumper? street
6: sweeper. It's a it's a um, semi automatic grenade launcher filled with forty mic, mic rounds. So yeah, it's got a big yeah. tube, and that thing is it just so you're looks like intimidating at the,
0: at the people. That sounds uncoply. It was They're smoke yes so CES.
6: Fun. I, I had it mixed <laughs> in there because you gotta, you got to mix the smoke with the CES because it takes yeah. the oxygen out of the air.
3: It, ca- so, it carries then, it. A lot of times I'll uh, run from the smoke because I think it
0: it's fast. Yeah. So not the kind of grenades <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> about. Got it. it. No, no, it's not
6: H-E-D-P like we used to. Um, it's um, non-lethal.
3: I don't know if you're doing some foam rounds and stuff. Those are – Always have a good response to
6: some kinetic rounds. Yeah. It's good stuff. So speaking of nerf, it's it's a very violent version of nerf, that foam round.
3: Yeah, you don't want to be nerfed.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be nerfed. It it sucks. If you wanna you wanna get the vibe though of of that kind of stuff, when they were talking earlier, for instance, about tasing, there's a few funny videos uh, that the military puts out of uh, People going through the taser training when they get shot, and there's a couple where the lady reaches down and grabs the package of the men holding her, and, and then he's and, still- and that's lame too because they just put the the wires on them. They didn't have to hit, they oh, yeah. to hit
6: with the barbs. <laughs> you know? Yeah. When I got when hit I got barbs, oh,
2: when I got hit, uh, they they gave they couldn't hit everyone, so they had to they had to give a uh, some the, the actual ride, and others they put the clips on, and then others they did just like a a contact, uh, stun, but, uh, I was the first one to go. And the instructor that was doing it, he said, all right, uh, do you want to know when I'm going to do it? And I said, no. And he said, okay, I'm going to count to three. And he goes, one, two, and then he got to three and I'm standing there waiting and I'm waiting and nothing happens. And I go to turn around to look at him. And as soon as I do this, he nabs me with the taser. And I'm
6: just like. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The same, almost a similar thing happened to me. Because he, he said taser, taser, taser. And then I'm waiting, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
6: And then I'm like, like maybe I don't have to get shocked. May, maybe this is going to be a good day. Now, my whole time for that, like I prepped for that. I was like, man, wouldn't it be funny if I got tased and I just shit myself?
4: <laughs> so
6: I, I gorged out on Mexican food the night prior. I really prep the environment. Nice. He hits me. I'm gonna shit all over the place. It's gonna be awesome. You know, I'll I'll have that name around the Mm -hmm. station of the guy who shit himself being tased. And it didn't happen because everything locks up, and I was on my tippy toes. Oh, (laughs) it locks. So he goes taser, taser, taser. Nothing happens, and then all of a sudden I hear the pop, and I'm like, I have made an egregious error. I can't believe I volunteered for the shit. Next thing Mm -hmm. I'm up on my tippy toes.
3: Mm -hmm.
6: You know, couldn't make a noise. I was like. I That's
3: got, not the noise I made. I got tased. We were we were testing for our department, and I got tased. And I got I took the probes, and I got one probe hit me in the upper back, and one probe hit me in the butt cheek. And the wider the spread, the more the ride. The yep, arc. Yeah, and so that. <laughs> felt great. But the funny part You're about broke. my story is, I didn't tell my wife about it. I didn't think about it, and I went on about my day because I was at a SWAT training. And then I go home. Well, so she goes to do the laundry, and there's this big bloody red spot in my underwear <laughs> where <laughs> all the, the barb in. And she's like, What did you do today at work? <laughs> well, let me tell you, Scott, a funny I
6: thing. got hit with the same arc. It hit me just below the neck, right in the right shoulder. And yeah. the second barb hit me right in the butt cheek. He had yeah. a beautiful arc.
3: If you get well, the you whole know, arc, I, there's total lockup.
6: Yeah. I, when I they don't the the work, it's because
3: they've got too much clothing on, or you. You know hit them on the run and only got their arm or something but but if both probes hit the flesh it's involuntary yeah. and you're done yeah at
7: there, least for you know, there, there's an entire tick tock page dedicated to watching people ride the light.
3: yeah <laughs> it's
6: not fun but, it's, but i'll take that over oc any day oh, the yeah. 100%. because when you're
3: done being taste you're just done you're just done yeah you don't have to clean I, up. You don't have to wipe yourself I, off. I had a
6: cramp in my calves for a couple of days because I really, yeah. I mean, I was doing some ballerina shit on my toes. So my calves weren't used to it, but getting O.C. spray, getting the devil's piss on your face, uh-uh. Yeah, now you got to wash that shit.
3: One thing, a trope, while we're talking about tropes for people to put in their bag is my least favorite trope. One of my least, it's got to be my top three, is people getting tased unconscious in thrillers because yeah, that's we not just, how it works.
6: You're just watching Transformers and they hit, they hit him with a taser and he's like, and I'm like, that never happens. I'm that guy when I watch movies. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, they, they don't pass out. That's that doesn't happen. Yeah. That's not a response. You're
3: going to need a better plot device if you need to knock somebody out and drag them away for the yeah. story purposes because the taser is not going to do it. Period.
6: Just, just hit him with the CSB in the back of the skull because that always works.
0: Just <laughs> put DARPA logo on whatever toy you make up and you're good because everyone knows DARPA does weird shit. There you and go. Wave him. Just but exactly. speaking
7: about Transformers, that's a good movie that shows you how it goes from local police to military police to the super squirrels. Um, with S seven, it,
6: It's FBI. I think you're giving them too much credit because they suck.
0: <laughs> but they didn't shoot your A's, dogs. So. They're still above the ATF. No, uh, yeah, I was about to say that's the ATF.
7: But you get, see how it...
6: D A only shows up, does none of the work that I did for him. They just show up to pick up the drugs. They didn't do any of the enforcement part.
7: Right, but you see how it starts local with the guy going at Sam thinking he's on drugs. And then Ugh. it just slowly climbs. Ridiculous.
4: Oh, are you looking at my piece? You you ATF, ATF and tasers. The, I think my favorite video from last year was where the ATF agent got tased by local cops because when he came to knock on this guy's door and ask him about some part that he bought for a, a firearm, you there's some guy, at my front door claiming to be the ATF. Can you guys come pick him up? And, and he, the cops would not take any crap from this guy. He was like, I'm a federal F agent. It was like, get on the ground. And he was like, I'm a federal. Yeah, it was great. Oh, that it was so that, and that's funny amongst all the
6: federal law enforcement agencies. I mean, you got board patrol. Like when we talk to local agencies, they're like, they, we get no static. We get no resistance from them. They're like, all right. Yeah. Whatever you need, you guys, whatever you guys need, we're, we'll help you. Here. We, we want the, we want the drug bust, you know? And I'm like, ah, okay. In Texas, it was great because you would have DPS, the, you know, their state troopers, you know, would love to get in a stack with us when we're raiding a stash house or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, because they know that they're going to get bodies. They're going to get drugs, you know, and it's not like uh i have a i have a buddy who's up at uh yuma not yuma uh yolo county sheriff's department and he's, and he sent me a picture and he's like hey man check out this drug bust all this pot and i'm like yeah i remember my first drug bust and i sent him a picture from my first one where i'm sitting on a literal throne of marijuana <laughs>
1: about
6: 1500 pounds we built a throne out of it and i took pictures <laughs> And he's like, you're a dick. And I'm like, no, it's Nick. Everybody gets that wrong.
0: But yeah. <laughs> So oh, that actually really. brings up another point, because you mentioned that the ATF agent getting tased by the local cops. And that made me think in North Carolina, there was an incident where ter- two different jurisdictions were running a sting operation. So one was actually thinking they were selling the drugs. and The other was buying the drugs to get the dealer. Turned out both were <laughs> cops and they show up at the, the bus house. And it's like, no, you put your guns down. No, you put your guns down. And, and it, it makes Spider-Man mean. mean. <laughs> yeah, it was a Spider-Man meme, yeah. except it was real on the taxpayer dollars. But that aside... Um, You'd be shocked really how happens. often
6: that happens, JR. That happens quite a bit. It
3: doesn't always that. make the news, though. They're right. supposed to do decon- uh, deconfliction now, and there's a bunch of different services, but people do it better than others.
0: Well, the, yeah. the reason I mention that is that makes you realize that one thing to think about if you're talking about something as vast as space is you have to understand the concept of jurisdiction so you can oh, yeah. make that work. Because you're yeah, not going to yeah. have one cop who's in charge of all space, right? Like, he might have a galaxy or a solar, you know, whatever. Like, But it's not going to be just everything. And so that is yeah, intention in a story where you, you talk about budding jurisdiction. You've seen
6: that in the pages of
0: uh Green
6: Lantern, who's a space cop. Okay, you know, go on. He's a space cop. So, I mean, he has... You have... The Green Lanterns and they'll have their their laws that also have to deconflict with that planetary source's laws. And if it gets even further into like territories in that, you know, on that planet. So they go in there and sometimes the locals turn against them. Sometimes there's a higher authority that comes from Oa and just where I'm getting geeky because I love comic books. You know, and you have to send another lantern over there or a lantern from another right. core. You know, because there's different see, uh, colored landers out there.
4: Do you see First Flight with DC oh, yeah. animated? That's one oh, of the best great. examples when Sinestro's taking Hal Jordan out for his first run, and mm-hmm. they go and they try to track down an informant, and uh, Sinestro showing him the ropes of how they deal with informants and stuff. I was like, this is this is perfect. This is oh, space copery right here. That's that was, it was it. probably
6: one of the best animated bloody cop movies. Shorter Lethal mm-hmm. Weapon.
4: This yeah. is why I'm excited about the Green Lantern TV show that they keep talking about putting out, but they haven't yet, is that it's supposed to be like the veteran, like John Stewart, training a young rookie like Guy Gardner or somebody, and it's supposed to be Buddy Cop. And well, I'm, I'm not watching it. Kilowog's in not in it. Kilowog huh? is
6: the best. I'm not oh, yeah. watching it. Kilowog's not in it.
4: Kilowog has to be in it. Yeah. Um, one of
2: the things I wanted to talk about uh, off of what Scott said about uh, the deconfliction aspect of things is uh, – did I just? Did you guys see that thumbs up, or is it just me?
6: No, I saw. Okay, good. It was I, just me. I saw. I, it was me too. I just thought maybe I had too much to drink.
2: Does it? Can I make it happen again? No. Okay. I do um,
6: that. that was awesome.
2: But uh, you know, <laughs> we do try to deconflict a lot, especially when you're talking about like state and government, uh, federal agencies, or even city. But like, there's I I can think of one particular call where the FBI was. Uh, chasing somebody and they were having a car uh, chase in Wichita and didn't tell anybody they were having a car chase in Wichita nobody knew. And the only thing, the only reason we did find out was because they ended up getting in a shootout with the guy in front of his house and uh, the guy got away and the feds just left. And like we responded to the shooting and there was no one there. The, the, the feds
3: That's didn't they do that several times. Here. They
2: they just vanished. And, you know, we have to investigate the shooting, but the feds have no, uh, they, they don't have any uh, anything to, they, they don't have to answer our questions. They don't have to co- uh, cooperate in any investigation that we do.
3: They're famous um, for just picking up their shell casings and leaving.
2: Yeah.
6: Yeah.
2: Um, and so you have to. That happens you know, in California can, all the time. Yeah. You can play a lot about uh, with, with jurisdictional type things, you know, when you write uh, simple things like writing a speeding ticket, if you're sitting on the border of your city uh, uh, or the county or another city or whatever, and you happen to catch the violation, but, you know, technically speaking, it happened in the other county or it didn't happen in your city and you write them a ticket, that's going to get thrown out because of the jurisdiction issues. So um, it's a, it is a a big part of cop work jurisdiction, but I, I think uh, in space fiction, it becomes more fluid uh, than anything, just because you have a lot of area mm-hmm. that you're playing with.
3: And most, m- most organizations, at least if you're comparing them to, like, we always love the feds. The thing is, is, is nobody ever, if the feds come and say, we're taking over this case, locals will be like, thank God, take that case. That's expensive. It's going to cost 100%. We don't want that case. Yeah. Why would we want that
0: case? Take it. So yeah, this is uh, brings home the idea that this panel has more room to go. I had more questions that we didn't get to to talk about, uh, which is a good sign. So I think we're going to schedule a second panel at some point in the future. But we're an hour and a half in. I promised Scott I'd keep us on time because he had a long day and <laughs> I get tired. A and, uh, in he, he gets up early to do the whole working out thing before the sun. It's weird. I don't know what that's about. I don't do that anymore. I'm a civilian. I wait till noon to work out like a civilized <laughs> human being. But uh, if you have It's a special ops thing,
4: Jr. you wouldn't understand Like I I said the other day I'll do a push-up if I accidentally fall Up
0: the stairs (laughs) But uh, we definitely Have more more to cover, so if you have questions For us when we get the band back Together again, uh, drop them in the Comment section, and I will add it to the uh, Outline for episode two, because I think we're Going to do one. We also want to cover Urban fantasy, because that is sci-fi Well, that is speculative fiction sci-fi And I think it's almost its own thing Deserving of its own panel as Dragon well. Badge. Dragon yeah. Badge. And fantasy would be a good one as well. Uh, but with that being said, we do need to end somewhere. So we're going to end it here. And I'm going to go around round Robin top to bottom. Uh, and I'm going to let everyone uh, remind everyone who they are and where they can find them. And if they're writing anything at the moment, tell us about it real quick. So Steve, you first.
5: Unmute button. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So uh, yeah, you, you can find me authorstediamond.com um, or, uh, or, uh, the writer dojo, you can always find me and me and Larry Curry over there, Gavin about nonsense. Um, yeah, as, as far as what I'm writing right now, yeah. I mean, I, I, I write, I'm, I'm trying to always write something. Um, right now it's last book in a, in a, you know, supernatural thriller series, the sequel to servants of war. And then after that, it's the, uh, it, it's the three books for Athon. um, it's a uh, giant mechs and alien in space. So uh, you know, so I'm always doing that. Now, I, I did just have a cop story come out. It was, um, you know, it, it was base- it's basically urban fantasy, detective stuff, supernatural Bosch. And that story just came out in, in a Bane anthology called down these mean streets. Nice. So, um, and that'll, when you read it, pretty much everything I just said will make a whole lot of sense as yeah. to why I like what I like. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but that's me. And, and, and look, I mean, you know, I'm I'm always fun. I'm always good to talk about this stuff, especially with, with this group of folks right here. All all good folks. So um yeah. And, and good since, being with you,
0: y'all. since you said people only invite you to horror panels and obviously now cop panels, uh I'm gonna find the exact opposite. Like I don't know, sparkle bunny fairies or something, a panel like that that I can get oh, you yeah. on just just because that's, I want to give you like the polar opposite.
5: That that's the right that's the writer dojo joke.
0: Um,
5: <laughs> we we mentioned we, we mentioned like Sparkle Princess, and I'm like they're, they're like, Steve, you can't write that. I'm like, well, if I did. How I would do it, it would be Sparkle Murder Princess. (laughs) And so now everybody wants me to write that story. And I'm like, I, okay. Twist.
0: I might have, might not have stolen the joke from them, hypothetically. Um, But uh, all right, Scott, can you uh, remind people who you are, where they can find you, and what you're working on?
3: Uh, My name is Scott Moon. I have a webpage, scottmoonwriter.com, where you can look at all my books. Currently, I'm working on a series called Homeworld Lost the eighth book in that series will come out, um, in, uh, February 4th, I believe. If you, if you want cop space stuff, I've written two cop space series, uh, dark landing, which is kind of a space Western sheriff type thing and galactic shield, which is a four book series, uh, with some space cops in it, which I personally think is probably the best thing I've ever written. And uh, um, it's not my most popular, but it, but I, I got my fans of it, and I would love for people to check it out and let me know
0: what they think. And the Dark Landing one, the cool thing I liked about that is um, if you look at it it's still up there on the Keystroke Medium website where him and Josh like outlined it on air live with feedback, which made was it weirder because they were like partly doing the episode and partly responding to people, making weird suggestions that just and that made that interactive nature of it was hilarious. In fact, because of that episode, I actually suggested we do that one for Nick and make him draw it based on what everyone was saying in the episode. <laughs> as nice. um, he has not said yes to that yet, and he's still muted, so he's probably cussing me out, but you don't hear it. <laughs> no, that I've done that at
6: panels. People throw out suggestions, and, I, and I'll and i create something. It's probably one of my most successful panels. I had. like, It started with 10, and then word got out that I was taking suggestions from the audience and making a character and actually i think by the time it ended there was like 50 people and i had them all sign it when i was done
0: nice so it's been decided and we will let scott and josh be on the other end of the shenanigans that time to uh to throw weirdness at you you might regret this but uh, okay since the stroke i mean
6: yeah i have used my right side just like i prayed for in iraq should i get you know (laughs) hurt you know as long as my eyes and my right arm and hand work i'm good to go i can live a a fruitful life in my opinion it's just slower now. Uh, the signals from the brain take a little bit longer to get to the hand, but it can be done.
0: It can be. Oh, cool. All right, Josh, who are you? Where can they find you? And what are you writing? Uh,
2: well, I'm Josh. Hi. I, I, I tried to do the thumbs up thing and it it's not working. Um, I, I'm fairly confident that my website is down right now because I haven't paid the subscription, but I'm very very rarely, I I don't update it very often. But uh, Facebook, you could find me. Twitter, uh, I'm the Josh Hayes. Facebook is probably the the easiest uh, way to find me. Uh, I just finished uh, the very first book I ever wrote uh, when I first started taking this seriously, which is a science fiction riff on Peter Pan. Um, that'll be out uh, sometime this year on audio only, and I'm working on a series called Weaponized, um, which is a uh, kind of a mix of. Uh, uh, spy and, uh, uh special, uh, operations, uh, military in the future. Um, and that should be out this year, uh, as well. Oh, My cool. favorite series is, uh, the Valor series. If you're interested in the, the investigation aspect of some of the stuff that I've talked about, I wrote, uh, the Valor trilogy, uh, the first book of which, uh, the, it's, it's, it's an investigator that is trying to figure out why a mission went wrong. Um, And it's told from his perspective primarily, but uh, as he interviews the survivors, it goes into kind of a first person, unreliable narrator and they're lying and he's got to figure out why they're lying. It's pretty interesting. I like it.
0: It's very courage under fire, but in space with valor.
2: 100%. Yeah.
0: I I dig it. It was a good one. All right. Next we got Mr. Michael LaVoice. Who are you? What are you writing and where can they find you?
4: Who am I still trying to answer that one? (laughs) uh what i'm writing uh currently is a series called gladius leagues Uh, i'm on book one of that called any given doomsday takes place in a future where humanity has spread to the stars and we have done so because we stopped fighting wars we use warfare by proxy through a combat sport called gladius leagues and uh and then all of a sudden we don't even have standing armies and navies anymore. And then all of a sudden we get attacked by aliens out on the rim and we don't know how to handle this. So we send a bunch of prima Donna warrior athletes in to deal with it. They're kind of like a mix between the NFL and the WWE. So nice. it's a That's lot of fun to ride
0: so far. That sounds like. All important. right. Jenny, uh, excuse me, Miss J F posthumous. Can you tell, remind people who you are, or where they can find you and what you're working on?
1: Uh, you can find me at author J.F. Posthumous on Facebook, or if you go to the Three Ravens Discord, you can find me there. And I'm on Amazon under J.F. Posthumous. I am currently waiting on edits for uh, the first novel in the Injustice series called Scales of Injustice. It's basically a homicide detective who gets embroiled in. Uh, problems with her department. There, she discovers there's dirty cops, and when she goes to talk to the chief of police, she's found over his dead body. So she has to prove her innocence while they're trying to catch her. Um,
0: plot tickets. So Jenny has a problem where she doesn't sleep like a normal person, so she has more books than they have editors over at Three Ravens? I actually have... uh, I need need to order more editors.
1: I have six in the series written. The prequel is technically the... um, It's titled Hidden Motives. It's the first contact between the Calasians and humans. That will be out by spring. It is not a police procedural, but it's fun. I hope people will like it. Um, and I have multiple urban fantasies that are available and a lot of anthologies that are available. Um, I'm currently not writing because words will not come because of what happened in June. And if anyone wants to know about that, it is on my Facebook page. Just go look at June. It's public. Um, so
0: yeah, there you go. And since, Nick, you got to be a panelist this time and not just the host. Like you're like a oh, uh, hair club for men. Like you're not just the president, you're the user kind of thing. <laughs>
6: uh,
0: but you remind people of where they can find you, what you're writing? Oh, my Lord. Um, if you're a fan I'm of comic books, the, the, the,
6: the visual medium, you're going to find me, uh, personally me. You're going to find me on all the socials at Nick Garber Art. Um, and then if you want to look up my comic book, which – there's many titles, and it's all 90s-style goodness. Um, you can find me at AppG um, Comics on all the social media stuff. So, And what I'm currently writing, I'm not doing any writing right now. I'm doing editing and art approval for our Speedster, our uh, QuickWire. Quick yeah, sorry, brain. <laughs> brain trauma. <laughs> but, uh, wire, yeah. So working on that um get that's gonna be released later in 2024 so yeah that's what i'm doing right now is i'm i'm quarterbacking a lot of stuff as far as the client production stuff
0: and i just want you to know dear dear listener dear viewer that um i did send in my art but apparently my stick figures were not up to snuff so i I got no you are
6: absolutely not getting hired for the job i'm going to steal your story. (laughs)
0: I'm mean, <laughs> not really, I'm not going to
6: steal it. I'm I'm going to pay you for it, but <laughs> the artwork, I, I couldn't, I had to find someone more, be- more better. There you go. <laughs> he
0: coffee and canned foods.
6: Well, he, that's what he paid me for as an artist. I'm going to pay him
0: with also coffee and kind words. <laughs> we, coffee. we are affiliate sponsored by coffee brand coffee. So use the link in the show notes. Podcast Grunts is the code to get 10% off. You're helping an American business make American addictions. I mean, coffee, it's good. It's great. We love all of it. Um, that is where I get my gourmet coffee. I mean, I still do the, the crappy folders in a pinch, but you know, y- you are keeping us supplied in um, at one episode at a time as you feed your addiction, and we greatly appreciate it. This is the part of the interview, dear listener, dear viewer, where I remind you, please be kind and speak your mind on the reviewing platforms. Your reviews help the right readers find the right books. So do your part. And um, yeah, if you get the 2000th review on a, on a product, I hear that Amazon will send them unicorn steaks. And I just I need to know how they're going to eat them. So, I mean, we need to make this happen. So. Yeah. Um, we have room, you know we should do a stakes in space and like what you could turn into stakes as an episode just so we could talk about steak speed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is, oh, you know is down. Uh, I actually heard about this idea when I was in college and there was the college of Cardinals actually had the theological discussion of when a creature you find in space is a space cow. So we can eat it. And when it's a sentient creature of God's covenant and it's your brother and and like where you draw the line and it made me wonder about space steak. So, I mean, this has got to be a thing. So it's a space
6: sirloin. I'm eating it. I don't care. Yeah, but
3: people don't ask questions. Just eat. eat. eat.
0: Yeah. Yes. All right. (laughs) And you can find us, dear listener, on our Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E, Linktree slash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, Linktree slash Blasters and Blades podcast where we link to all the things, the bit shoots, the rumbles, the YouTubes, the Twitters, our email blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com for serious business inquiries only. We have a Facebook group for Blasters and Blades and a Facebook page. We're gonna have to make a new one because I think we lost control of the first one. And most importantly, we have Madam Stabby Stab on Instagram, Twitter, and email for all of your hate messages. Please send them to her. She wants to see them so she can reply and make you cry. All bets are off. If you, if you write, you know, Buyer beware, right? It's on you. We warned you. And with that being said, you can find us on our website at anchor.fm slash blasters, tack and tack blades. Again, anchor.fm slash blasters, tack and tack blades, where for as little as 99 cents a month, you can help keep the lights on. Every penny helps. These episodes aren't free to produce and we appreciate your contributing to keeping the lights on. Or you can support the show more directly at buymeacoffee.com slash author JR Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash author JR Hanley. Be sure to put in the comment section that is for the podcast. And I promise I will keep my co hosts duly caffeinated. They will drink until coffee pours out of their ears. And they'll drink that too, because reasons. All right. With that being said, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For my crazy co host, I am JR Hanley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. Seriously, everyone, thank you for coming on. I mean it. We'll book a second panel. I think we've got more room to talk. Definitely going to have to book that Space Steak episode. Steve, you're totally invited. And Jenny, again, on air, we thank you for our new graphic logo. We much appreciate it. We love it very much. So well done. And with that, we are oh. out. Wait for it.